0: Welcome to the Injury and Violence Prevention In-Depth Podcast. My name is Mighty Fine, and I'm the host of this Safe States Alliance production. In this space, we'll engage in dialogue with IVP professionals on a variety of issues to help inform our listeners on the latest trends and hot topics related to injury and violence prevention. For this episode, we're going to switch things up a little bit. Normally, there is a guest that I have the pleasure of talking to, but today, you'll just get little old me. (laughs) This is what we're calling our in-between episodes. They're a little shorter, and it's when I get a chance to talk to you all directly. And they'll happen in between our longer episodes, so, so that's how they got their name. Get it? In-between? <laughs> Hopefully you laugh because I certainly did. During this inaugural year of IVP In-Depth, we covered a range of issues, including equity, reimagining IVP, Public health infrastructure, data issues, and so many other topics were woven into each of those conversations. And in fact, these discussions really highlighted that injuries and violence are significant public health problems. We all know that, right? They limit the ability for us to live our full potential. They also cause premature death and disability and place a significant burden on our communities across the country pretty sombering. However, we know that injury and violence prevention backed by public health science has enabled us to accomplish some amazing things. And building upon those successes, we're able to recognize the possibilities for the future. So that's the silver lining. Additionally, when a public health approach is applied to injuries and violence, in most cases, these events can be prevented. We focus on environmental design, human behavior, education, policy, and other things all working together to support environmental and behavioral change. So it got me thinking, right? And so I started to draw from conversations that I've had as a part of this podcast, meetings I've attended, and other inspirations, and I've come up with seven areas or things for us in IVP to consider as we move into this new year and are strategizing ways to prevent injuries and violence. Keep in mind these are not in lieu of structural or institutional changes that are also needed. They're in no particular order, it's not a comprehensive list. I want you to sort of consider it as my stream of consciousness as I've thought about our collective efforts in IVP. So from one colleague to another, here's what I'm thinking. Number one, equity. We need to address equity with intention. We have to continue to move beyond a catchphrase or buzzwords and do the work. And ask yourself, what does it look like here? How do we know we're operating using an equity frame? And there are so many people that are already doing great work in this space, so let's build upon that. And measure, measure, measure. How are you ensuring that the work you're doing is actually having an impact? What changes are you seeing within the community? What changes are you even seeing within your workplace? Because remember, equity is not just external. We have to do an internal audit with our organizations as well to make sure we're walking the walk and talking the talk. Up next, we have the public health workforce at number two. We have to continue to introduce emerging professionals to the importance of IVP early on in their careers, working with schools and other training institutions to showcase all the possibilities of what working in this field looks like. This will help us to continue to build our collective capacity and ensure that the workforce has the required skills and experience to address the burden of injuries and violence, thus creating healthier and safer communities for us all. Coming in at number three, mentoring. And I get it. Trust me. Mentoring is such a huge time commitment on both ends, yet it's so critical for the development of all of us as public health professionals. There are certain things that we just don't learn in textbooks, and mentors help to fill in those gaps. So if you're thinking about being a mentor or you want to be a mentee, definitely check out safestates.org and learn more about the mentorship program here. I'm sure you'll find it rewarding. Number four, harmony. And no, I'm not talking about singing. I'm talking about striking a healthy work-life balance to make sure that we are pausing and taking breaks from our work when we need it. And trust me, I know there's so much work to be done, yet it feels like so little time. But protecting your mental wellness is critical if you want to show up at work as your full self and ensure that you're in the best position to be as productive as possible while working towards the change that you want to see. This work can be challenging, especially for those of us working in violence prevention. So we want to make sure that we're extending grace to ourselves to avoid secondary trauma and burnout and other deleterious impacts of not taking that break when it's needed. Number five is innovation. Sure, we have evidence-based practices and promising strategies, but we shouldn't let those limit us to exploring what else is possible. Certainly, we can use those as a catalyst to develop other ideas or to latch on to what we already know. I mean, think about it. At one point, all of these started off as an idea, and now look at us. So don't limit your thinking. Try it and see what happens. All in all, it'll be a learning experience. Coming in at number six is community. There's so much wisdom, richness, awareness, and information within community. And we need to ensure we're building effective relationships here where there's shared decision making. And while some instances may require us to lead in this space, we have to be just as comfortable following and taking a back seat. One definition of community is a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. So let's really tap into this ideal in 2022. Bringing up the rear at number seven is partnerships. Clearly, last but not least, public health by nature is a convener and we bring people together. And I think we do it pretty well. So as we continue to think about strengthening our response to injuries and violence, Let's think of other partners and sectors that we haven't worked with before and figure out how to bring them into the fold. In my estimation, this idea of non-traditional partners is of the past. So many issues are intersectional, connected, and the collective action that will spur from these partnerships is critical if we really want to address IVP in a comprehensive manner. I also implore you to assess these collaborations to ensure that they are fruitful and not just checking a box to say you did it. Some partnerships may be temporary, and that's totally fine. So this completes my list, and I'm sure some of you are already tapping into the areas that I just mentioned. Uh, But let's continue to push ourselves forward, be supportive, and hold each other accountable. I certainly look forward to what we'll be able to accomplish this year and beyond. As always, thanks for listening to IVP In-Depth. Feel free to subscribe and listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. You can also follow Safe States on Twitter at Safe States and on LinkedIn. And be sure to check out the website, safestates.org, for more information on injury and violence prevention and tools and resources. Trust me, you won't be disappointed. This is your host, Mighty Fine, signing off. And until next time... Be sure to stay safe and injury free.